When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Hey, weirdos. Andrew here. Just hopping on to remind you that our trip to Italy is now live. Next spring, we're going to Florence and Rome, so make sure to book your tickets now. You can find the link in our show notes. Hello and welcome to History for Weirdos. We are your hosts, Andrew and Stephanie. And each week, we're going to take you on a journey into the strange, obscure, and relentlessly entertaining corners of human history. Now listen up, friends, because it's about to get weird. Welcome back to History for Weirdos, episode number 97. Always good to sit down to record with you, babe. I know. It always is the best of times. Yeah. I I will admit, I've said it before, I do like it better when it's your turn (laughs) to tell a story. And you know what? I like it better when it's your turn. I feel like your stories are just better. And so I think I feel like your stories are just better. You're just saying that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Well, weirdos, I don't know if you guys have seen both Barbie and Oppenheimer or Barbenheimer, but we have now seen both and they're actually really good. Both of them. Both films, I think, deserve the hype. I think so, too. Yeah. Not to like uh, give you super high expectations, but I think if you go into them both like with a open mind, I guess you're going to have fun in Barbie and you're going to be destroyed in Oppenheimer (laughs) I'd say that's fairly accurate but in a fun way possibly possibly it's really interesting it's really um beautiful to watch it is no Oppenheimer is a cinematic masterpiece yeah it's very well paced very visually pleasing Barbie is also very like visually pleasing but it's very like dopamine heavy yes and it also has its deep components to it that's true it Mm -hmm. definitely does wow um it's so interesting too because we don't really go to the movies that often no we don't so it was nice to go and like sit down especially it's been so damn hot lately yeah it's such a good summer activity to do because you just get to like cool off and escape for a little bit feels so good we also have a movie theater near us that is like an old old movie theater from like the 20s the 1920s, because I guess we're in the 2020s now. <laughs> That's true. And when we first moved to this area, that movie theater was just closed down. And we were like, oh, how cool would it be to see a movie there? And we fin- it fin- it reopened early this year, or earlier this year, and we finally got to see Oppenheimer there. And it's a very fancy movie theater. I love the ones that sell booze inside. Yes. <laughs> And it's not just like, oh, you know, like booze. It's like cocktails and like you can get like high end like like gourmet little, food. There's a little lounge area. <laughs> yeah, it's actually like it's really taking it to like the next level. It, it's funny because it kind of reminds me of what I'd imagine going to the movies in the 1920s would feel like, which is like a big fancy event. Exactly. Right. It does feel like that. Yeah. I, I like love it. it. 
Well, folks, because we know you haven't heard about either Barbie or Oppenheimer. Absolutely not. Those are our takes. We think you should see them. Definitely. And yeah, we swear we're not getting paid by them, though we should be, honestly. Yeah, pay us. Pay us, damn it. (laughs) Okay, well, it's my favorite week because Stephanie's telling the story. I get to sit back and relax with you weirdos. So, Steph, tell us, what are you doing this week? Well, this week I'm going to tell a story about some witches. All right. It's kind of, we're closing out on our Summerween episodes, right? Exactly. It's the last last day of july yes so i figured why not wrap it up with a classic trope of witchcraft i love it already and i am starting this off setting the scene for us almost like it's a story so listen up weirdos once upon a time amidst the chaos of the second world war there were whispers in the mystical corners of the world about an ancient coven of witches It was believed that these witches had powers that could bend reality itself. Now, this coven wasn't exactly keen on watching the world burn under the reign of Hitler and the Nazi regime. They believed in using their magic for the greater good and were determined to make a difference. This literally sounds like like a historical sci-fi like movie. Yeah, right? (laughs) I kind of wanted to set the scene like it's a story. (laughs) But I'll get more to the facts soon, I promise. Okay. In the summer of 1940, a coven gathered under the full moon on a starry night in the heart of a dark forest. Their goal? To put an end to Hitler's hatred and madness. Their solution? Raising the cone of power. Man, that still lead, or like lends more credence <laughs> to my like <laughs> hypothesis. Sounds so weird, right? <laughs> it does. That's why I thought it would be good for history for weirdos. I know that's true. Also, the cones of power or a cone of power reminds me of like the cones of Dunshire. Oh my God. Such a good reference. Such a good reference. For Parks and Rec, right? Parks and Rec. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, in this episode, we're going to dive into the events surrounding this cone of power spell and its reported impact on World War II. Ooh. But before we do that... Before we dive into the occult aspects of this story, let me give a very brief and very much so oversimplified bit of context into what was going on in World War II in 1940. So at this point, Germany's war machine is a seemingly unstoppable force. They developed a new type of warfare called the Blitzkrieg, which emphasized fast-moving strikes coordinated from the ground and the air. And the United States is not yet involved in the war, and it won't be until 1941. We're in the end of 1941 at that. Yeah, good point. In the UK, there's a brand new uh, prime minister, Winston Churchill. I think, I think I haven't (laughs) heard of him, no. I have actually met several dogs named after him. That's incredible. Yeah, (laughs) either (laughs) with the name Winston or with the name Churchill, so... He's made quite an impact. Are they usually like like bulldogs? Yes. Okay. Isn't that perfect? That is perfect. Yeah. It's I usually mean, like a bulldog or like um, kind of like a short stocky dog. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I could see that. Well, Churchill and many members of parliament were concerned that England could be invaded by the Germans at this point. The British people themselves were getting armed and they were forming blockades in London with whatever they could find. In fact, men that were too old or too ill to be serving in the military were organized into home guards, 
armed with shotguns, hunting rifles, and Molotov cocktails to protect the citizens. Okay, so like the English are going hard in the paint right now. They're being very scrappy and resourceful, kind of preparing for the worst. Okay, that's a much better way of putting it than <laughs> hard in the paint. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Well, basically anything and everything that could potentially stop the Germans was pressed into service. This is any sort of like physical resource, like machinery to any sort of like intelligence that could be gathered and potentially even witches. Nice. I mean, you got to dig deep when you're the homeland's <laughs> threatened. Yes. And let me give even more context. Let's look at what's going on. In Germany at this time, because during the early 20th century, Germany experienced a surge of interest in mysticism, occultism, and just in general, alternative belief systems as they were seen. Yes. This fascination with the occult extended to high-ranking Nazi officials, including Heinrich Himmler and Rudolf Hess. These individuals believed in various mystical concepts seeking to use them as tools for political gain and as a means to justify and establish uh, this narrative of Germanic superiority. Mm -hmm. Himmler even funded several expeditions to search for powerful relics, including the Holy Grail. I know. Isn't it kind of crazy that Raiders of the Lost Ark, isn't that like far-fetched? Yeah. Yeah, it's actually wild because it does sound like something that would be... Or not Raiders of the Lost Ark, but the, the last one. Or not the last one, but the third one. Oh, whoever's listening is like screaming the name of the movie Yeah, at us right is it now. Is in the Holy Grail? Or is that... Oh, I don't know. I don't know it either. Well, whatever. <laughs> keep, keep screaming it at us, weirdos. Yeah, keep screaming. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, Indiana it sounds... Jones and the search for the Holy Grail or the Holy Grail. Something the Holy Grail. God, I feel so dumb. Okay, I'm going to look this up. Keep on going. Well, I'm just saying it does sound like something that would be made up by Hollywood, but it was not. In fact, biographer Jean-Michel Engbert wrote in The Occult and the Third Reich, The Mystical Origins of Nazism and the Search for the Holy Grail, that mysticism and occult philosophy were in fact at the core of Nazi ideology. By the way, it was Indiana Jones in the Last Crusade. Crusade, there you go. There we that go. makes sense. That makes a lot more sense. But yes, thank you. Adolf Hitler himself is often associated with occult beliefs, mm -hmm. but the extent of his personal interest in these topics actually remains debated among historians. That's interesting because I've always was under the assumption that he was like obsessed with the occult just as much as Himmler. Yeah, uh, some accounts suggest that he was like intrigued by things like astrology, mysticism, prophecies, and he kind of like, kind of played along with Himmler, like, oh, sure, yeah, yeah, tell me about it. Um, and other sources say like, no, he was very passionate and truly believed in these things and these ideas really informed his strategy. Interesting. So we get conflicting reports. Uh, in the Journal of Popular Culture, Raymond Sickinger, professor of cultural history at Providence College, theorizes, quote, that Hitler thought and acted in a magical way and that he found a magical approach to difficult problems. So I think like that's probably a good summation. We don't know to what extent he's like by the book on certain belief systems, but he definitely has some sort of magical thinking 
at the very least it seems like he's at least open. open to it exactly the very least and it's important to note that while there were individuals within the nazi party with an interest in the occult and in folk mysticism it would be inaccurate to attribute the party's actions and ideologies to these beliefs right mm-hmm. these beliefs were very ancient practices that the nazis twisted and butchered to fit their evil agenda lovely lovely <laughs> <laughs> So let's get into our witches. Yeah, let's go. And the cone of power. So what I found super interesting in doing the research for this was that this wasn't the first time that British witches used magic to prevent foreign invaders. Okay. That, uh, and, and you know what's funny is that we, you did an episode, right, of, uh-huh. of English witches. But yes. But it was from the perspective of like almost like they were killed well it's not almost they were killed yeah they were um, very much so hunted and ostracized but throughout many many cultures and i'm specifically thinking of western cultures because that's my frame of reference witches didn't weren't always witches right these were just kind of like folk practices is just what people believed in Mm -hmm. the concept of witches i think is very tied to christianity uh and saying that those beliefs are wrong or they're sinful or whatever it is but yeah it seems like at certain points which has played an important role in society and then at other points they're hunted down (laughs) so it's very ironic i know and it kind of come goes in and out yes it goes in and out of fashion yes i guess (laughs) So according to legend, a coven in England in May of 1588, along with the vice admiral of the English fleet, Sir Francis Drake. I know that guy. Yeah. Joined. He joined a group of witches at a site called the Devil's Point near Plymouth. Not our Plymouth, but their Plymouth to perform a ritual intended to scatter and stop the Spanish Armada. Well, you know what? It worked. Exactly. It was 100% not just like, you know, an act of nature. It was because of them. Yeah, I think so. I think that's <laughs> fact. Facts. And that, so that that's like kind of like a folk legend that a lot of people cite as, oh, everyone kind of knows like the, the witches did this thing and then the Spanish Armada never invaded. So True. But... For our story, these British witches using the cone of power to stop a Nazi invasion was first described by a man named Gerald Gardner. He's actually the founder of the modern day Wicca religion, which I'm sure many of us have heard of when people refer to themselves as Wicca. He founded that religion, which is basically just rooted in um, ancient practices. And he was reportedly at this event, kind of like as a novice participant. And he discussed the event in good detail in a book that he authored in 1954 titled Witchcraft Today. Huh? Kind of snappy title. Yeah, exactly. It sounds like something you'd find on like a kitchen table or (laughs) a coffee table. Yeah. And it's his work that I'll be referencing 
uh, a lot throughout the episode because a lot of people reference this book specifically in different sources. So according to Gardner, this event, this mystical event, took place on August 1st, 1940, near the town of Highcliffe on the Sea. That's the full name of the town. Oh, wow. Located on England's southern coast. This date fell on the eve of, I think it's pronounced Lammas, but it is spelled L-U-G-H-N-A-S-A-D-H. So it's in some sort of Celtic, I think. And I'm interpreting that as Lammas Day. You know what? It sounds like you really put some thought into it, so let's go with it. Okay. (laughs) So the date fell on the eve of Lammas Day, which was a pagan harvest festival that is considered to be one of the greatest, most sacred days uh, in modern Wicca beliefs. Okay. Kind of like how Catholics have a ton of holy days, but some are a little more powerful than others. Got it. Oh, you know what? And also, that date's coming up, August 1st. Oh my gosh, you're right. Yeah. (gasps) Wow. We should celebrate. Definitely. So the witches gathered in the woods in a clearing near an old gallows tree. Oh. Eerie, right? Very eerie. The date and the location were intentionally selected to help amplify the power of the spell that would be cast. Right? So Lammas Day is a very powerful day in their calendar, and then the energy around the gallows tree was important. Interesting. Did you say why it was important? I would just imagine that a place where a lot of people faced death would hold a lot of energy. Mm, That's true. Right? A lot of sort of mystical properties would be there because, you know, the end of life happened over and over again in that site. Mm, Good point. But that's actually just me and my conjecture. I don't know why. Okay, fair enough. So this coven was called the New Forest Coven, and it consisted of 17 members, all from the area, who belonged to other various esoteric societies, including the, I can't pronounce this either, Rosicrucian Crotona Fellowship. Okay. The Co-Masons, not Freemasons, but Co-Masons, and the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. Okay, that last one sounds like a far-right organization. <laughs> <laughs> How unfortunate for them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they were basically very involved, not just in the coven, but in a lot of other mystic, occult type of organizations. Got it. So the cone spell was considered a complex enchantment derived from ancient texts and rituals passed down through generations of witches. The cone of power is a method of raising and directing energy by a group. So I'm going to explain it in detail. Kind of sounds like I'm explaining like a science experiment. (laughs) Nice. So participants stand in a circle to form the base of the cone. And they connect to one another by holding hands. They are chanting, singing, or using any other methods that may increase the energy of the circle. And as energy is raised... From the circle, a cone forms above the group until it reaches its apex. Once the cone is completely formed, members focus on sending that energy out into the universe directed towards whatever magical purpose is being worked on. A fire would typically be in the middle of the circle in this sort of like traditional part of the ritual, but because they didn't want to call the attention of 
British or German pilots, right? It's right. Middle of the night, they didn't want anyone seeing them. They skipped the fire and instead placed a small lantern on the eastern part of the circle to symbolically direct the energy towards Berlin. Mm, that makes sense. Yeah. They're sending some bad juju. Exactly. Yeah. For this specific ritual, its purpose was to disrupt and weaken the destructive ambitions of Adolf Hitler and his followers. The spell, when cast, created a mystical cone of energy that extended from the coven's location to the heart of Hitler's stronghold. The cone spell sought to cloud his judgment, erode his resolve, and foster internal dissent amongst the Nazi ranks in general. They, the witches believed that weakening Hitler's influence could shift the tide of the war in favor of the Allies and promote peace. So according to Gardner, this is the man who founded the Wicca religion and is there um, present at the ritual. He stated, quote, The witches cast spells to stop Hitler from landing after France fell. They met, raised the great cone of power, and directed the thought at Hitler's brain, quote, you cannot cross the sea. You cannot cross the sea. Unable to come. Unable to come. End quote. So, what are you thinking, babe? I mean, it is interesting because Germany was like was gearing up for an invasion of Britain, right? But they obviously never did it. They never even really attempted it. Yeah, it is interesting. That is that is very interesting. And this just like the Spanish Armada. Yeah. Right very interesting there's a pattern forming here <laughs> well the story of these this coven gathering to cast a spell on hitler once people caught word of it they were like they totally accepted it <laughs> they were like <laughs> yeah okay it's not that necessarily people were accepting oh this spell is gonna work but they were accepting like basically you gotta try anything yeah like they're so desperate they're like normal in normal times, they're like, this is so dumb. Yeah. But, the, it, I mean, when you're just getting bombed, you're just like, okay, literally anything. Yeah, I think in a non-war time, it would be either like, this is so dumb, or maybe even, as you alluded to, these types of efforts might have been met with hostility. Yeah. Or some sort of tension of like, oh, that's weird, that's creepy, that's evil. But people were just like, okay, yeah, <laughs> do that. <laughs> I don't blame them. So is it possible that the witch's spell brought about a ripple effect that weakened the foundation of the Nazi empire? Well, in his report of the event, Gardner went on to say, quote, I'm not saying that they stopped Hitler. All I say is that I saw a very interesting ceremony performed with the intention of putting a certain idea into Hitler's mind. And although all the invasion barges were ready, the fact is that Hitler never even tried to come, end quote. <laughs> and this is true. As you mentioned, the German uh, plan to invade Britain was named Operation Sea Lion, and it never happened. It's kind of a cute name. I know, for such a nefarious act. I know, right? Operation Sea Lion. That sounds like if little kids were like playing at the beach or in a pool. Sounds like something Ken would come up with yeah <laughs> his grand plan would be operation sea lion <laughs> there were obviously like various strategic disadvantages and tactical issues that very well could have prevented the nazis from even attempting this mission mm -hmm. 
but did those disadvantages come from the energy you put out there by a coven? Oh, snap. And as we know, over the course of the next few years, British and allied military personnel worked tirelessly on the front lines to defeat the Axis powers. And then on April 30th, 1945, Hitler dies by suicide in his bunker, and the war in Europe ended within a matter of months. Could the intervention of the witches have played a role in that? That's entirely up to you, weirdos. It's for you to decide. However, let me throw a little wrench in this. Okay. There are arguments about whether or not the cone of power ritual even took place. Okay. You got to explain this one to me because I thought this was pretty well documented. Well, historians have found no direct evidence beyond the writings of Gardner himself. So his his whole thing is like kind of like source, trust me, bro. Yes, he's like, I was there. That's how I can tell you about it. But there's no one that could verify like, yes, he was there because I was also there. Not that I saw. Not I don't know if people are like going out and like researching to be to be honest or if this was so long ago right i'm sure most of those participants have passed away if not all of them yeah it's but i think it is interesting that the events he described like he describes like the place he names the coven and i think if the story were not true people would have spoken out against it and been right. like that's fake that didn't happen it sounds very like very specific it's very specific yeah and Regardless, it became a really important legend amongst modern Wiccans. According to Professor Sabina Magliocco, an anthropologist and folklorist at Cal State Northridge, um, she says that this kind of gave legitimacy to the modern practice of witchcraft because his writings showed that the witches were not something to be feared right they were patriots they were protectors versus like evil doers right they're not like poisoning the apple and giving it to like little kids exactly exactly so it had a really positive effect him sharing this story and then british author philip heselton who has researched operation cone of power as some call it Uh, Because he was doing a biography on Gardner, he actually told Mental Floss in one of the articles that I cited, he said, quote, I think it's largely true. In fact, I turn the question on its head and reply that I think it's extremely unlikely that something like this would not have happened. Right. Like, I mean, again, I think people are so desperate that like, Mm -hmm. I mean, and we've seen this like time and time again throughout history, like usually Mm. when you're like being threatened your city does crazy things. I mean, I can just think of like the ancient Mediterranean, two examples like off the top of my head and both involving like uh, human sacrifice Wow! from civilizations that either like didn't like Rome, like they actually did it during the second Punic war. I didn't know that. Yeah. And uh, later on one of the Roman writers, I think it's Livy writes that it's like his, the nation's like biggest shame. Mm-hmm. And then even more disturbing in Carthage, uh, when they're getting invaded by this like this Greek um, tyrant from Syracuse, he uh, he's besieging the city and they ended up sacrificing like five hundred children. Oh my god! And they're all children of like the noblemen, because their wow. whole thing was like, oh, 
yeah we've been we've been like sacrificing like the children of like slaves and stuff and like the that's gods are mad like they, they need like higher the value unquote, best stock yeah wow that's so insane but it does speak to your point of desperate times people often do desperate things exactly and that's ancient right right from the cone of power that's in 1940 so people have come a long way and to them i'm thinking something even like participating in a witchy ritual would have been like a desperate measure maybe right it's kind of crazy if you just think about it logically you're like i'm gonna send these like thoughts over to hitler right i'm gonna manifest on his behalf (laughs) yeah and i'm gonna manifest bad stuff (laughs) yeah exactly they're just boss babying a little too hard yes (laughs) that's what they were doing on his behalf and this biographer that i mentioned uh heselton he actually goes on to discuss how a ritual like this would have been really important to the culture and the belief system of the coven members if these people these people didn't like just form a coven because of world war ii like these were people who would have had family members in the coven for generations before them Mm -hmm. so it's possible these folks would have seen this ritual as their way of contributing to the war effort and for me i feel like it's similar to how religion other religions again like i was raised catholic how we pray for certain outcomes during desperate times right i don't think it's any different than that for historians to be like that's crazy that would never happen exactly no i completely agree i disagree i don't see how that's any different than you know praying and lighting candles and the things that we tend to do right they just were like visualizing a cone and (laughs) (laughs) thinking yeah, I guess, I mean, they, yeah, they were kind of just speaking to the universe in the way that they, they think is like, right. Right, you know? right. Again, like a more cultural significance for them. Also so interesting because it is a subject that is in the public consciousness again, mm-hmm. is this idea of manifesting, manifestation. Right. Uh, using thoughts to impact reality. Yeah, exactly. Like to super dumb it down. I think it's so interesting that so much time has gone by and we're like back on this subject. I know it's very ancient subject, but you're right. Like it just, it keeps on coming. Like it keeps on coming up throughout history. Yeah. And I think it's just humans trying to make sense of the world. Mm -hmm. And at its best, it's humans recognizing their own power and agency over their reality. Yeah, well said. I like that. Thank you. Not to get too deep and philosophical (laughs) on the podcast, (laughs) but I am a Sagittarius, so that makes sense. There you go. You're bringing it back to you. (laughs) (laughs) So while the witch's involvement in altering history remains somewhat hidden and debated, the reported efforts definitely left an enduring legacy. Like you said, this is like how you believed that it was very widely known and accepted that Hitler himself was very fascinated by the occult. Many people have heard of this story and have known it to be true right? and to be an impactful story. This story stands as a testament to the extraordinary lengths that people will go to p- in the pursuit of justice and peace, especially during humanity's darkest hours. Yeah. And that, my friends, is the story of the witches who tried to stop Hitler. Wow. That was incredible. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that is such an oddball story, and that is like the perfect way to end our summer ween. I thought so as well. What is weirder than witches in World War II, right? 
I mean, yeah, you know what? And I, I love that you took like the weirdest angle possible within <laughs> World War Two, right? Because I feel like, and you know, weirdos, we typically avoid World War Two subjects. Obviously, we don't avoid it completely, right? We've touched on it a few times. Yeah, exactly. And but we try to like go for like the stranger, weirder parts of it, the more obscure angles. Exactly. I mean, it was such a time of desperation for so many that it's really interesting to look at what are the weird sort of there's so much chaos going on what are these weird little forgotten stories along the way exactly like your one of yours was uh, the bear right Wojtek yeah Wojtek yeah, and <laughs> unsinkable Sam yeah those are the ones that are more I like heartwarming those more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I like those more <laughs> a little less dark but still entertaining and still informative exactly exactly Oh, and then let me share my sources. So my sources for this week include an article by ThoughtCo. It was called British Witches. Um, and then a Mental Floss article called Operation Cone of Power. I watched a YouTube video as well on the YouTube channel Today I Found Out. Oh, wow. It's a really good YouTube channel full of lots of very interesting history stuff. And, of course, Wikipedia. It's our favorite. Yeah. What would the world be without Wikipedia? God, I would never want to know. Don't want to know either. <laughs> okay, weirdos. Well, that's it for this week. As always, you know what to do. If you haven't followed us on Instagram, what are you doing? Go over there. Follow us. That's where you can get the the, the most up-to-date um, information. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Like about the show and just about our lives and such. Yeah, you get to see some fun like behind-the-scenes stuff sometimes. More stuff about our personal lives. Yeah, it's fun. It's the place to be at. Follow us at History for Weirdos. <laughs> Definitely. And, w and that's it, weirdos. Until next time. Adios. Adios.